So we've all had times that we were less thankful than we should be and that we want to be. And we've probably observed other people being ungrateful. You know, we can identify ingratitude in ourselves or others as we complain or pine for what someone else has. And these complaints and this pining for what someone else has, you know, generally speaking, makes us miserable. It doesn't help us in any way at all. It generally makes people around us less joyful when we are in that condition. A few weeks back, or a couple weeks back, I had the opportunity to spend some time with the teens and the young adults, and we discussed the subject of thanksgiving. And as I was doing that, and when I was finished, I thought, you know, this really, uh, I think all of us would benefit to, to ponder through some of the truths that the Scripture speaks forth with regard to thanksgiving, what it's uh, the call to thanksgiving, the, uh, the reason for thanksgiving, and the pathway to thanksgiving. Uh, the, what is the source of that, that thankfulness that God calls us to? So uh, this morning, just for a few minutes that we spend some time worshiping the Lord in the Word, I want for us to think through this subject a little bit. The Bible both calls for and illustrates thanksgiving. So listen to these passages. I'm going to list a few, and then we'll look at the First Chronicles 16 passage that you're turned to. Some calls for thanksgiving. First of all, in Psalm 30 and verse 4, the Bible says this, Sing praises to the Lord, O you His saints. Give thanks to His holy name. That's a call for thanksgiving. The same comes forth in Psalm 92 in verse 1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to Your name, O Most High. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 18, it's like an inescapable concept. It says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So this is the call. God's Word is calling forth to you and calling forth to me to express our thanks to God. This thanksgiving is illustrated in so many ways throughout the Scriptures, and I want for us to see just a, a couple of samplings of that. First of all, in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, uh, the, David has gone through and he's really um, freed the people by God's power from the, the, the Philistines. And the Ark of the Covenant comes into the, to the, the city of David. He's built his, his palaces, and now he sets up a, a tent a tent for the Ark of the Covenant. And so they bring the Ark of the Covenant in, the, the Levites do, and it gets into its place. And then there's this song of thanks from David. It's lengthy. So we're going to read a lengthy passage. It's well worth its time. It's God's Word. Listen to these words of God through David, beginning in verse 8 of 1 Chronicles 16. Oh, give thanks to the Lord Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that He has done. His miracles and the judgments He uttered. O offspring of Israel, His servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. 
Remember His covenants forever. The word that He commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant that He made with Abraham. He swore uh, pro- His sworn promise to Isaac which He confirmed to Jacob as a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When you were few in number of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, He allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not My anointed ones. Do My prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and joy are in His place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for the joy, for joy, excuse me, before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Say also, save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen. And praised the Lord. It's lengthy, but this was their celebration. This was their thanksgiving. This was their tribute to the hand of God that led them, protected them, provided for them, that promised and fulfilled for them, this is our God, and he, he, he is worthy of our affection. He is worthy of our admiration. He's worthy of our thanksgiving. This is just one. You'll remember, now, so this is you know, a, a nation giving thanks to God for God's care over them. Now, I want you to think now of, of an individual, actually two, two different individuals. One I'm just going to make reference to, and the other we're going to turn to. Remember Hannah? Hannah was uh, barren. She didn't have children. And she was really desirous of having a child. And so she was crying out to the Lord. Crying out with everything she had at the, at the, the temple. And God answered her prayer. And God gave her a child. We know him to be Samuel. Remember this? Yeah. Based upon God's dealing with what she felt was her deepest need... It wasn't her deepest need. It was ultimately fulfilled later through the Lord Jesus Christ. That was her deepest need. But what she felt was her deepest need was this this lack of having a child. And God fulfilled that lack. And listen to her words in 1 Samuel 2, verses 1 and 2. 
And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. There's this result of giving of thanks and praise to God's name as a result of God providing thanksgiving. This is just an illustration of it. Now one more. Take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Another individual giving thanks to God based upon God's amazing provision. And this provision is that of salvation. Spiritual, eternal salvation. The Apostle Paul gives thanks to God for delivering him from his own way and his own sin. He was walking in contrast to the Lord. He was actually opposing the Lord and the Lord's purposes. And God rescued him, saved him. And this is one of the several testimonies that the Apostle Paul gives about God's salvation. Listen to these words beginning in verse 12 of 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy 1.12 I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal invisible the only god be honor and glory forever and ever amen so paul gives praise and thanksgiving to god for delivering him from his sin and delivering him unto himself so we're not just saved from something we're saved unto the lord and god claims us for his own and he does a wonderful work in us it's 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 the item, it's the fact that you and I must give our greatest affection and admiration to God for. It makes sense for us to be thankful. But we are often plagued with ingratitude. You realize this is common to man. You struggle, I struggle, society struggles with thanksgiving. It's important to know this. And the Bible speaks about this concept in, in various ways. Take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 for a moment. As God portrays a, a little display of human society in the days that we live, from the first century down through now, he describes it with some very colorful terms. Listen to these words from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5. through 5. He says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, 
abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. (laughs) Stay away from all these people. Uh, All right, we have problems. No more public gatherings. (laughs) Anyone ever struggle with any of those items? Yeah, that's a little bit of a symptom of all of our problems. About one of them, in the midst of it, it was at the end of verse 2, I believe, was ungrateful. Ungrateful. Let me remind you of another one. We studied this a while back in Romans. Romans chapter 1. I'm just going to read verses 19 through 21. You don't have time to turn there. I'm going to be done reading it by the time you get there. First, uh, Romans 1, 19 through 21. It says, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Just wanted to look at those verses just to understand mankind us included, we struggle with all manner of sinfulness, and unthankfulness is one of those. It is common to man. So I, I want to just have you think. Now, when I did this study with the young adults and teens, it was an interactive time. This is not interaction time, so this is just more like mental interaction at this point. I want you to think about this. Why does God want us to be thankful? I'll give you a moment to think about that. I'm going to try to answer it with a couple of questions. Does our thanksgiving make God better? Is God lacking in some way in which he needs someone to give him thanks in order to feel better about himself? Is God existing about just waiting for someone to give him thanks? I think it's important for us to think about this concept because sometimes we can put this demand of thanksgiving on us as if we're doing God some favor that He is needing us to fulfill in Himself. And one of the things that I think it's important for us always, forever to remember, is that God is satisfied. He is completely content. Completely. He needs absolutely nothing. So when God calls for thanksgiving from me and from you, it's not for His good. It's for ours. So this makes us move along to another step in our study. A lack of thanksgiving is harmful to us. A lack of thanksgiving hurts us. And I want to illustrate this with two texts of Scripture 
in the Old Testament. First of all, Hosea chapter 2. Now, I think you're familiar with the prophet Hosea. You might not know the ins and outs of the accounting, but just to give you a little reminder of what the book of Hosea is about, God uses Hosea and his wife Gomer as a visible picture of what is taking place between God and His people Israel. So God tells Hosea to marry Gomer, and they have three children. Well, Gomer has three children. Hosea has one. All of these children are subsequent to their marriage. You're getting the idea. There's unfaithfulness, adultery, and worse involved in this real-life situation. The first child, Jezreel, between Hosea and Gomer, God will spread His people out. He'll plant them somewhere. He'll scatter them. The second child, or third, I'm going to get it out of order, is Lo-Ami, not my people. And then a third child, Lo-Ruhamah, no mercy. So God is giving a, a little picture of what's happening. The people of Israel are unfaithful. He's going to scatter them. They're not going to receive mercy. They're not going to be His people. That's not the whole of the story of Hosea. The whole of the story of Hosea is that God never forsakes His people. God never uh, reneges on His promise. He always fulfills His purposes. And so there is a, a coming restoration that, that is part of this picture as well. But right in the midst of it, chapter 2 gives a little commentary about maybe a mindset that shows what's going on in Israel and Gomer. And it's, it's vivid. Look at verses 7 and following of Hosea chapter 2. She shall pursue her lovers, but not overtake them. She shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then she shall say, I will go back and return to my first husband. For it was better for me then than now. Listen to verse 8. She did not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, and the oil, and who lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal. Therefore I will take her, uh, excuse me, therefore I will take back my grain in its time and my wine in its season. I will take away my wool and my flax, which were to cover her nakedness. So there's this response, right? The people of Israel or Gomer, whichever one you want to choose in this discussion, oh, it, it is all of these lovers over here that have given me everything that I've ever needed. And then after you're over there, instead of over there, uh, wait a second, I feel lack. I feel lack. It was better there. I'm going to go back. God says, it, you didn't know that it was me giving you all these things? This is a picture in Gomer and Hosea's relationship of God and Israel's relationship. Oh, well, look at those nations. Look at what they have. I'm going to go after them. I'm going to find satisfaction in X, Y, or Z. You fill in X, Y, or Z for whatever it would make sense for you. I'm going to go and follow this nation because they have this. I'm going to go do that. They've got it better over there. I'm going to go there. And God says, all right. Go ahead. You'll find out soon enough that I was the one sustaining you. That I was the one satisfying you. That I have everything you need. 
and much, much more. Now the story of this book goes on and talks about how God allures her into the wilderness and speaks words of comfort to her. I love that passage. In the midst of the rebellion, God brings Israel out of her rebellion and God initiates and God deals with her sinfulness and God speaks words of comfort to to give her a balm in the midst of the distress. This is the kind of God we have. The point that we're in Hosea, and we're going to go to Jeremiah in just a moment, is that part of the problem is we forget all the blessings that God gives us. And we start to seek blessing elsewhere. And it hurts us. It hurts us. When we think that God is not enough and we can find satisfaction somewhere else, it's a road to destruction and hurt. Take a look now at Jeremiah chapter 2. Similar concept. He uses a word picture that, that I think is helpful for our meditation this morning. Jeremiah chapter 2. God now is, is spelling out a very similar scene about the southern tribes of Judah. And he's going to talk to them. It's almost like you can hear God a crying out, appealing to the people. Say, what, what are you missing here? Why, why, aren't you, why aren't you noticing? Why aren't you noticing what I've done and who I am and what I have for you? Jeremiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the clans of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What wrong did your fathers find in me? that they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became worthless. They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land of, that none passes through where, there, where no man dwells. And I brought you into a plentiful land to enjoy its fruits, And it's good things. But when you came in, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priests did not say, where is the Lord? Those who handle the law did not know me. The shepherds transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. Therefore, I still contend with you, declares the Lord, and with your children's children I will contend. For across to the coasts of Cyprus and sea and Send to Kedar and examine with care. See if there has been such a thing. Verse 11. Has a nation changed its gods, even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. They forgot, see that? And they replaced. But he uses this picture of a barrel, a cistern, a big, a big barrel. You get this barrel, right? 
Now I'm going to catch my rainwater in this barrel. It's going to sustain me when, when everything breaks loose and there's no more water to be had from, from our government. Right? I'm going to have got these rain barrels. So every now, good. 25 of them. And when, when it comes, I'm ready. But there are holes in the bottom. Therefore you have what? Nothing. <laughs> he uses this illustration to say, you forgot who I am, what I've done, what I've provided, and in forgetting me, you found another thing. You found something else. But what you found can't hold anything. Now remember when Jesus was dealing with, uh, with people in John chapter 4 and John chapter 7 and talking about water, that He can give a water that, that, that will sustain and that you'll never thirst again. A water that leads unto what? Everlasting life. Eternal life. God is the one who sustains and holds and gives us and satisfies and refreshes and, 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 and gives comfort and rest. That's who He is. And the people of Israel forgot about Him to their own demise. To their own detriment. I have a few statements. They'll all be on the screen one after the other. When we take God's mercy, kindness, grace, love, and blessing lightly, rather than being fulfilled by what we have received, we are longing for something else. Dissatisfaction creates appetites that destroy us rather than help us. God's call for us to be thankful or satisfied in Him rescues us from spiraling into unsatisfying, destructive pursuits. We're talking about thanksgiving, right? Called to thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is illustrated. We struggle sometimes. Sometimes we're, we're ungrateful. Sometimes we're not content. Sometimes we're lusting after other things. Sometimes we're complaining about what we have. This is common to man. Why does God want us to be thankful? Because He feels better about Himself when we're thankful? No. Because when we're not thankful, we hurt ourselves. It's to our own peril. But you know what's the best part of our discussion this morning? The thanksgiving that God calls us to, He provides. The thanksgiving that God calls us to for our own good, He provides. Take a look at Ephesians 5 with me, please. This is such an important passage of Scripture, and this concept is essential to our lives in Christ. The Scriptures all over the place speak about God's commands, those things that God is calling us to do as things that are for our good. But the Bible also makes it very clear that God's commands, things He calls us to, reveal the sinfulness of our hearts. By the law came the knowledge of sin. You see it in both the book of Romans chapter 3 and the book of Galatians chapter 3. God reveals things to us through the things He calls us to. And what is so glorious is not only does God unearth sinfulness within us through the things He commands us to, God provides mercy and grace to us, and God then provides the means, the ability 
to accomplish the very thing He calls to us to for our good. And so when God calls me to thanksgiving, it's important that I understand that God supplies that thanksgiving for me and in me. And we're going to notice this from two different passages of Scripture. This is not like some distortion, oh, you found one verse of Scripture and twisted it to say something. No, this is an absolute clear passage of Scripture that's saying that God provides for us this thanksgiving that He calls for. Look at Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 18. There's a prohibition in verse 18, and then there's a call in verse 18. The prohibition is the first thing. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Here's what God calls us to do. But be filled with the Spirit. Two commands, a negative at the beginning and a positive at the end. They're related concepts, right? Being drunk with wine is we allow some substance to control us we lose our mental capacity to to think soberly and uh, and clearly to to accomplish things that's the drunk with wine that's debauchery says you're gonna you're gonna find yourself in a world of hurting hurting there the positive is be filled with the spirit the same concept but on the positive be controlled not by your own mind by your own resources by your own strength but be controlled by the spirit of god you see that that's the, those are the commands in the passage. Now, as we look at verses 19 through 21, you see a bunch of ings. You know what an ing is? I-N-G. It's a participle. These are results of what happens when we're filled with the Spirit. Okay? So as we read verses 19, 20, and 21, these are not commands. These are what happens when... You're filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. He goes on in verses 22 of chapter 5 through chapter 6 and verse 9 giving ways that that fleshes itself out. If you're filled with the Spirit as a husband, you will love your wife. If you're filled with the Spirit as a wife, you will come underneath your husband's authority. You'll submit yourself to your husband for the Lord's sake. If you're filled with the Spirit as a child, you'll obey your parents. You'll honor your parents. If you're filled with the Spirit as a dad, you won't provoke your children to anger, but you'll bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If as, a, as a, an employee, you're filled with the Spirit, you'll serve your employer well for the sake of Christ. And if you're an employer, you'll serve your employees well for the sake of Christ. The filling of the Spirit fleshes itself out in daily life. These are results. And one of those results is thanksgiving. God calls you to thanksgiving. He calls me to thanksgiving because thank, uh, a lack of thanksgiving hurts me. And God says, you need some help. Let me come alongside. Let me do this. Let me supply your lack. This is what God does. One more passage on this. It's on the screen, but you can turn in your Bibles too because we have, we have the time. Hebrews chapter 13. I'm actually ahead of schedule. Give me a clap. Hebrews chapter 13. Mark this day down in your calendars. 
Hebrews 13. Look at verses 15 and 16. But we're going to stop after the first two words for a moment. Verse 15. Through Him. So, who's about to do whatever we're talking about? Him. And the Him in the context is the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So, through Him. God is doing this. Verse 15. Through Him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what we have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. God enables me to give Him praise and to give Him thanks. It's a grace gift. What do I do? I come underneath. God is ruling God is sovereign ruler. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. I want to come underneath His authority. I want to come underneath His leadership. I want to come underneath His his, um, guidance. And God, with my salvation, has given to me His Spirit who dwells within me. And when I allow the Spirit to do His work, when I'm filled with the Spirit, thanksgiving comes forth. And God says it differently in, in Hebrews, right? Through Him, through Christ, let us offer to God a, an acceptable sacrifice. God is supplying for us what we need. And when our hearts are satisfied in the good blessings of God, we do not need to pursue destructive temporary pleasures. We all have that lure, right? The lure is there. Like we're a little fish. And see this thing sparkling over in the water over here. I'm like, ooh, that looks really good. Let me take a bite. Uh-oh, I've been hooked. But when we're satisfied by God's grace through Christ, the lure, I'm, 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 I'm full. Anyone experienced that over the last couple of days? Oh, yeah, I'm full. I don't need any more. <laughs> I'm full. Had enough turkey? It only takes about this much for me to have enough turkey for me. Um, had enough potatoes. It only takes about that much for me to be full of potatoes. Had enough pie. <laughs> only takes about that much for me to be full of the pie. But then when you get to that point, it's like, no, I don't even want to look at it. Don't Get it away from me. Maybe the next morning you might feel differently, but at least for today, I'm done. When we're satisfied in the things that God has given to us, because He He brings us to that satisfaction in Him. This is what Jesus was talking about. You come to me, you'll never hunger, you'll never thirst again. Come, come to me. I'm all satisfying. When we come to that place, it's it changes everything about us. Now we do know that as we journey through a day. The, the fullness level goes down, right? Unless we're reminded. Unless we remind ourselves of the goodness of the Lord. That's why it's good to gather together, right? Gather together and remind each other how great God is and all the things He's done for us. We have friends and family and you know, wives or husbands or children and, and hopefully we're reminding one another about how great God is and so that our, our satisfaction level isn't going down. We're reminding each other about how great God is. 
as we think through the many blessings that God has sent our way, you and I will remember the wonder of who God is. We will be amazed that He is our God. We'll be amazed that we're going to spend eternity with Him. Of all the blessings, one stands out far above the rest. God has offered to us eternal salvation through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Have you come to a place in your life where you have called out to God to save you through the work of Jesus Christ? Have you experienced what it's like to have your sins forgiven and Jesus' righteousness added and an assurance that you'll spend eternity with God? Have you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That call goes out today to you. Have you trusted Christ? Today could be that day that you receive the greatest blessing ever. And God will fill your heart with thanksgiving. And that thanksgiving will last an eternity. It's his goodness is that good. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for all you've done. Thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you for supplying what is best for us. Please bring about a joyful, rejoicing thanksgiving in our hearts. Help us to see when we are swaying toward other things that it simply harms us and harms others. And help us to be quick to return to you, to find in you that joy and satisfaction and life and fullness that you offer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.